Well, welcome to Christmas. Doesn't the worship team do just a great job of, of putting us there? And I love when they come up with special stuff like the bluegrass, you know, last week and then this this week. And I'm excited for this group of people that were singing right here because it just filled it all in. And behold, it is Christmas. And we love that. And things to think about, you know, time for pushing aside our differences. I know uh, um, somebody had posted the old, I don't know if you're old, as old as I am, but um, posted the old We Are the World um, video and they showed kind of the making of it and all of the people in the studio and just going through and seeing all the different demographics of all the different artists that were involved in making that happen and what was going on in the world at the time, trying to focus on some of the atrocity of Africa. And it's like, you know, we just get so distracted by media and we get so distracted by social media. I don't want to pick on social media. I want to say we get so stinking distracted by the media spinning the things that they want us to pay attention to, that we miss what's really important and going on in the world when, when we can just lay our head on our pillows and the biggest thing we have to worry about is a political party here and there, and yet there's genocide taking place in, in places of the world that we could actually do something about if we weren't so worried about the things that are necessarily going on around us. Now, I'm not trying to get political. I'm just saying that when I, when I, when I see that song and we're singing that you know, a very Merry Christmas without any fear. Man, what about that kind of a Christmas? What about remembering that we can actually make a difference as Christian people in the world? If 12 guys can be sequestered in a room, hiding from the Romans, scared to death that they're going to get crucified as well, and the Lord can break in, reveal Himself to them, and change the whole world. Where's the Roman Empire now? See, God can change the world, but He's looking for willing people. And that's not at all what I want to talk about this morning. That's just... An aside. It's just what's going through my heart when I hear the worship team really doing something. This week has been so incredibly good and it's been so difficult. It's, it's been kind of Christmas. It's been that, that pulling back and forth and for whatever reason it's happening in twos. Maybe you are or aren't aware that there are two people from this church in intensive care this week right now. Miss Caroline is intensive care. We're praying for her. And, and David Williams, who's um, the, our ASL instructor at EKU that goes to church here. And so you notice we don't have the ASL people here because they've also been attacked. And that's more than two. Everybody's getting attacked by whatever flu bug thing is growing around. But both of them are in the ICU. And one of the young ladies that stands up here and helps us with the, uh, the ASL was in a car accident in the last couple of days. And it just so happens, those of you that know Angela Bohannon, she was also in a car accident in the last couple of days. And, and, and it's just like, really? In twos? My son called me from up near Akron, Ohio the other day, and his wife is heading up a, an outreach ministry for their church, and they were going to feed the poor, and she's on her way, and she's in her minivan, and she's headed down the road, and she thought she was having a flat tire, so she just drove it another mile and pulled in at a, at a fire station. She pulls in there, the firemen come out, God bless you first responders who respond to things in your driveway. Thank you. But my daughter-in-law was there with my grandkids, they jacked the car up, there's one um, not holding the wheel on. There are four studs missing from the wheel. There's one stud. They sent me a picture of it. And so when my son was coming to save her, he pulled his little Mazda into O'Reilly to get tools, and his ball joint broke 
the swing or the control arm bent almost in half because of it, and something else broke, and his wheel was laying there. And so it was in twos. Nobody was hurt, nobody was damaged. Both accidents, both people um, seemed to have fared well in that. God protected them. The ICU, we are praying and praying and praying. Um, that God will bring them out of that. We're praying for the Ritchie family as well. And then two families this week within the last two days, both of them lost a father. Those of you that know Kathy Jones, her father passed away. Those of you that know um, Bill Tackett and his family, Bill's father passed away. Everything seems to be in twos. And I literally was crying out to God saying, God, for real, come on, it's Christmas. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, and, and so why, why does that surprise you? I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, so let me get this straight. You are celebrating the birthday of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are celebrating the human birthday of God, Emmanuel, God among us, when he came down here to walk with you and put on your skin. You are celebrating this king that came down here and lived a perfect life. We are not just really celebrating his birth, but we are celebrating not just his birth, but also his crucifixion. And not just his crucifixion, but his resurrection. We're just remembering his birth. And the Holy Spirit was saying, so you're going to celebrate God who beat down the devil. You're going to celebrate God who took children out of hell, literally, put them back in the family of God, adopted back in. And you want to know why? the enemy is stepping up his game <laughs> it's like no not anymore <laughs> now that you've explained it so well i got it yes why why does it surprise us when we begin to celebrate and we actually begin to feel the cheer or the move of the spirit some people call it the christmas cheer i want to call it the move of the spirit okay and we begin to start loving each other and all of a sudden we start acting like christian people and then the enemy steps up his game to ruin our holiday you know what i mean it's like why does that surprise us why does that catch us off guard you know, it's just, it's crazy amazing. We have blessings that abound to us. And, and the scripture says it will rain on the just and it will rain on the unjust. But listen, if it doesn't rain, flowers won't grow. Crops will not produce. And so it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes it is just a struggle. And so as I'm looking at this thing, I'm thinking about, wow, what is it about Christmas that things go crash right here? People die, people leave, people break up, and it's because the enemy's coming after us. And so I've spent some time in the last day just speaking against the enemy. You know, you can take authority in Jesus' name because he came as a baby lived as a man, died perfect as our sacrifice, but more than that, was raised from the dead and the tomb was empty. We have authority in Jesus' name. We can take the authority and say, devil, get out. Demons, get out. If you don't think they're there, then you're what we call pray. That's pray with an E, P-R-E-Y, okay? You're going to be fodder for the enemy if you think he's not there. You've got to to press in and pray, and I think we've got to do that. But there's a lot of things that about Christmas that I love. I love to watch my wife decorate the house. I love when she puts up all the things that she loves. I love when the tree goes up. We talked about that when the boys come over and they do that for me so I don't have to. I love when she puts all the little things out that we've collected over the years. I love that we have a pewter cup for each first Christmas for each of our five children. 
And, and, and we find those first. I love that. I love the Christmas tradition of making cinnamon rings. Some of you call them cinnamon rings. Is that what you call them? They're really called Coogan, okay? Um, when I was growing up, and I'm older than some of you, we called it Coogan. And, and here in Kentucky, they call it a cinnamon ring. But I love cinnamon rings. And so my wife makes them for me um, because my mother doesn't live with me. And so and then we have set, uh, Seven Up in Cranberry. Seven Up in Cranberry. We always have holiday Seven Up in Cranberry. And I love that. I love that she puts out the nativity that I got her one year. You know that artist that makes those little things where like the two girls are sisters and they're almost touching, but they have no face. And it's like, how can a guy make millions making things with no faces? What is up with that? It's like sock puppets with no faces. It's like, but it's her nativity and she loves it. And it's wonderful. And I love when that goes up. I love when we watch the special Christmas movies like While You Were Sleeping. It's my absolute favorite. I love Sandra Bullock and, and she goes through the movie and I love when my kids come over and we all promise not to say every word in the movie and then we say every word in the movie while we yell at one another stop saying every word in the movie and then the person that usually says that sends the, the next words um, and what the real problem is that they're not getting to say it first to prove that they know the script I love reading the Christmas story with my children I love singing around the Christmas tree with my family. I love the chaos of sharing gifts when it's all over, getting a cup of coffee. I, I love seeing the crazy that is the Wood family, all because that woman is so cute. So cute, so it's her fault that there's so many of them. I, what I... <laughs> don't tell her I said that. She's not here today. <laughs> we were walking out of the house today and Millie started having puppies right there on the spot. And it's like, well, I got to preach. You got to stay. And so there are now eight puppies at the Woodhouse that uh, we're celebrating God. We're celebrating God. But how wonderful is that? But what I don't like celebrating or what I don't like about the Christmas celebration is the idea of um, have I spent enough on everybody? Have I included enough people so that everybody will like me? Because who all are you going to buy gifts for this year? You know, when the list keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, you can't afford it. And I want to talk to you today about the budget and Christmas. Oh, man, really? I hate talking about the budget with my wife. Well, I'm going to talk about the budget with you for it. I don't want to know your budget. I want to just give you some ideas, okay? I want to talk to you about the budget just a little tiny bit. Because I read a report about five or six years ago, maybe eight years ago, whatever it was. I was reading in something um, about finances and personal finances, probably getting ready for Christmas. And I just read this stat. And this stat said that American people spend 103% of the money that may, they make. And I thought, well, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. You know, you can only be 100% in. I had a guy tell me one time, I'm, I'm 110% all in. It's like, that, that's more than you than there is of you. You can't be 110% in. You can be 100% in, and then you're out of you. You're done. So how can you spend 103% of your money? And then I remembered, oh yeah, credit cards. With credit cards, we can spend 103% of what we make on a regular basis. I'm not saying we should. As a matter of fact, I'm saying don't do it. Be careful. Those things are tools, and you let them be a taskmaster to you. You let them enslave you because it's easy, and I can have it right here, right now. And it's like, wow. How much do you anticipate spending this year on Christmas? Oh, Pastor Joe, I don't want to say out loud. Come on. I don't want to talk about How much do you anticipate paying? Listen, you're not going to go to hell if you have credit card debt, okay? I just don't like to see people in bondage. That's all. 
How much do you plan on spending? You know, the average American person um, in a household, a dual-income household that makes $50,000 a year, is anticipating spending $1,000 just on Christmas presents this year. Just on presents. Right? Some of man, I'd like to live in that zip code right now. Huh? Where I can plan that and do that, I'll shorten my Christmas list down. I'll tell you right now. Um, Joe? Yeah, everybody else? Cookies. Yeah, you know, it's like, come on, man. And listen, we're Americans, right? Let's just be honest. We're Americans, and it's like, wow, how does that happen? But we're talking about gifts this morning, and we're talking about Christmas, and we're talking about not letting Christmas take hold of you. Rather, we want Christmas to be, behold, Christmas. And it can be wonderful, but we don't want it to be something that um, impoverishes us. So let's look at Matthew 2, kind of the idea where we get all this idea that on Christmas we should give gifts. Let's look at that for a second, a story of the people that we will call the magi, the wise men, the magicians, the astrologers, the pagans. The, um, let's call them everything that we can possibly, let's, let's like label them. Um, let's give them some names and things like that besides the ones that Hallmark or, or you know, um, Family Life gives to them in their Christmas special. Um, but let's just look at this story in Matthew chapter 2. The scripture says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it's really important that when you're reading along in your Bible that you circle that word after. It's an important word. Every word that is in the, in the, in the scripture that you read and you call your Bible is important. None of them are there uselessly, okay? They're all important. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. I would encourage you to circle that too. All Jerusalem with him was disturbed because some people showed up and said, Where is the one born king of the Jews? Okay? When he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, the religious people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, in Bethlehem in Judea, for it is written by the prophet. So here it is. Let us tell you what it says prophetically a thousand or so years ago. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come my ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Okay? So now we've got an insight to the Magi. This is the part where we're going to go deeper, 2018. And you're going to walk out of here going, man, I thought it was about Christmas. My head is spinning. Is there going to be an exam? Okay, no, there's not an exam. Then Herod, when he heard this, he had secretly called the wise men back together, determined from them when the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. Not, notice he's not saying baby anymore. He's saying young child. We're not looking for a baby in a manger. We're looking for a child at this point. And when you have found him, bring back word to me so that I can come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, there's that word. The star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over the, where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come to the house, not the baby in the manger, not the cave, not the place where they store livestock, but an actual house, okay? Um, it says, when they'd come to the house, they saw the young child again with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had ordered, uh, opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, being Jesus, of gold, 
frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. They were headed back home, but they didn't go through Jerusalem. Now, um, one of the things that we wanted to do this year, so I'm going to do it right now, is we want to take you deeper into the story of who Jesus is and why it matters to us in 2018. And so we're talking about Jesus' birth, and this is a place where you need to know and understand that this is the birth of the King of the universe. This is the birth of the Creator amongst us, Emmanuel, God with us. This is that time. And so we've got this picture, and we've got this picture of these gentlemen, and these gentlemen are traveling forever. Now, you've got to decide one of two things, because they came to a house with child in it, not to a baby in a manger. So... Either they left the east. Do you know where the east is? Well, yeah. Estill County. Right? Sure. West Virginia. <laughs> Absolutely. Dude, Maryland. Yeah, that's the east. Well, no, that's east of us. Do you know what it's talking about when we talk about Magi coming from Babylon? Listen to me. We're talking about Iraq. Gulf War? Iraq is Babylon. Literally. Not metaphorically, it, it literally is Iraq, okay? Babylon, Iraq, Iraq, Babylon. That's where it is. So when it says these men are coming from the east, from Jerusalem, we're talking about over that way. They're coming from over there. And so these men have come. Now you have to decide. Either they left when Jesus was born and have been traveling for two years, and I know that because I read ahead in the story. And if you read ahead in the story, the wise men do not go back to King Herod. King Herod gets really, really, really angry and then slaughters all the male children two years of age and under in the region. Because he's not going to have a king grow up and usurp him and take his throne. That's the reason. It's also fulfilling the prophecy excuse me, in the Old Testament, where it says, and Rachel would be here, we would be heard weeping for her children. Meaning, it, the, the people of Israel would be crying out because the, the women of, the children of, of Israel would be crying out because their children are being slaughtered. That's Christmas. And so this is part of the picture. And so you get this idea, and so, and so you've got these men that either have been traveling for two years since the birth of Jesus, or... They have been traveling, and somewhere in that two years, Jesus was born, and they showed up at a place where Mary and Joseph are now in a house renting. They didn't go back from Bethlehem. They didn't leave. They took up rent and, and, and rented a house, and they're staying there. And so these guys show up at their doorstep. And so that's going to be very, very important, because we need to look at these men to understand what we know about gift-giving at Christmas and set the stage for what God wants to say to us today. First and foremost, let's give our attention to these guys and understand that these are pagans. They are. They're astrologers. They're wise men. Um, they're, they're magi or they're magicians. They're sorcerers. Um, the, the most um, significant word that is in that group is actually astrologers. They are people that read the times from the stars and they foretell, they, they try to prophesy based upon where the stars are and how they're doing and a new star comes out. And, and they say, we've been following a star. And it's like, man, I hope it wasn't like a C-130 going that way and they were just chasing after it and, and the lights were on. On. You know what I mean? It's like these guys have been following this star that is going. It's a, why would pagan magicians, why would pagan astrologers follow a star to see a new king in Jerusalem? How did they know there was going to be a new king in Jerusalem? How did they know they should be looking for a new king in Jerusalem? Well, back up to 586 BC, and you know what happened? Babylon overtook Israel. 
and hauled off all of the best of the best, the most educated, the most prophetic, the most spiritual, the most religious, hauled them all off to Babylon. And in that group of men, there were four guys, that group of people, there were four guys. And you probably know them. You probably have heard their names before. There was a man by the name of Shadrach. There was a man by the name of Meshach. There was a man by the name of Abednego. And there was a man by the name of Daniel. And we know for a fact that Daniel himself was a prophet. And we know for a fact that he stayed there and, and did exactly what God told him to do. And we know that Daniel wasn't scared of people. We know that Daniel did not stop serving God when they threatened him. We know that God, uh, Daniel was not like pounding his religion into people, but he was not afraid to live his religion out in front of people. And as a result of that, there is no reason that we should not surmise that they came to understand that there was this, this prophetic word coming that they told to Herod, that a ruler was going to come up out of the tribe of Judah and he was going to lead these people. There's no reason they weren't following that prophecy to this end. And so here they come. And so that's why they show up. And here they are. They appear to have been following the star for approximately two years. Does that matter? Well, it does to the story, it does to the truth, it does to you understanding what's going on. Because as we understand this, um, how, many, how many wise men were there? Yeah, there was three, right? Sure. Sure, there was three. Is there any place in the Scripture that tells us there was three wise men? <laughs> no. There is no place in the Scripture that tells us there were three wise men. You know what it does tell us there were three of? significant gifts given gold frankincense and myrrh and what do we suppose each wise man only gave one gift why didn't each wise man give a little bit of each of those gifts see we, we don't do that do we we say each one you know why we do that because hallmark makes beautiful cards and every time i go buy a christmas card from hallmark there are three wise men on it and they're all there's camels that's great. You know what the worst thing in the world for us to have is? Christmas cards with glitter on them. Because the glitter stays in my house forever. And I hate glitter. And there was no glitter in Christmas back then. But there's always three wise men. They're always leading camels. They're always walking along. And there's no way that that is a picture of what's going on in the Scripture. Because three wise men, forget that, however many magi or wise men they are, were bringing gold enough to present to the king of Israel. They believed they were going to see the new king of Jerusalem. And they were not just bringing like 85 cents. They were bringing chests with treasure in them. And three guys don't travel through the wilds of the Middle East with that much treasure and not expect to get whacked. Think about it for a second. You're leading your camel. You got a couple of big you know, chests on it, say U.S. Treasury. You're just kind of walking through. You think nobody notices? You think the poor barren robbers are not going to come and try to take that away from you? There's not just three guys, there's three significant gifts. But for two years, they had to have enough money to travel. My wife and I took a trip a couple years ago out west on the motorcycle. We planned, we saved up, we had to have enough money. How much money would you have to have to take a two-year trip? 
Unless, of course, you were sponsored by the king of Babylon who said, hey, go make uh, you know, notice of this child's birth for me. Leave some gifts. Tell him I wish I could have been there. We got a thing going on and then come back and tell me about it. But you're gone for two years. It took you two years to get there. Who knows how long it's going to take to get back. Maybe a year. Maybe two years. Maybe it was a straight shot out in the back. Maybe they were from China. They were from the east. I believe Babylonia. I believe that. And so we have this picture. These guys could not have been three, could not have been traveling by themselves because somebody's got to protect the money, the gifts. Plus, they had to have enough money to travel with. They would have been sitting ducks, okay? So I believe they were traveling, and they were also traveling with protection. Um, I also believe that they had to have enough livestock either to feed themselves or to trade, to barter with, to get the things that they need. I also believe that the crowd was big enough, and this is why I believe that this crowd was huge, was because when they rolled into Jerusalem and went down Main Street and headed up to the palace and wanted to see the king and said, knock, 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 Merry Christmas, we're here. And they said, oh no, who are these guys? We're upset. And the scripture says King Herod was upset, and all of Jerusalem was upset with him. So they saw this army of people come in and some of them had to be armed because they were protecting everything that they were bringing to that, they thought, to that very king. And so we open that up and we say, okay, that's the real story of these men. You know why we think there was only three gifts? Because they only announced three gifts. Let me, you ever asked a child what the child got for Christmas? What did they tell you? One gift. You ever ask that child, did you only get one gift for Christmas? Do you only have one parent? Because you only got one gift, you must only have one parent, so you must only have, you know what I mean? It's like, no, I got a granny and a grandpa and a mom, and you know what I mean? They go down through it. What they tell you is the most significant gift that they got. When you ask them what they got for Christmas, they'll tell you which one was most significant. So there's no reason for me not to believe that Matthew was recording the significant. Did, did they bring him robes? Did they bring him um, cloth and material? I, I, I assume they probably did. I'm not going to write a sermon about it. But I think the only reason we say three is because three are mentioned, and those are the three most significant. And those three are tradable commodities. Frankincense was very expensive back then. It is today. Those trees that they make frankincense, uh, they're dwindling in number. And, and to some degree, they don't know why. Okay? Myrrh, same thing. You know? It's a tradable commodity. Gold, of course, we all want a chest full of that. Let's just be honest. Christmas this year, I just want a chest of gold, okay? That's all I want. Big chest, little tiny pieces of gold, okay? You know, we, we all do that. But do you understand that's why we think there were three wise men? That's why. Because of those three gifts, and that's not there. But listen, these guys planned. And I told you last year that you know, if, if, not last year, last week. It's like one of the things we got to get a hold of, I guess Janice was last week, before that. We need a plan for Christmas. And one of the things we need to plan for is our spending. We need to plan our budget. We need to plan our budget. Part of the problem with our plan for spending is not so much what we'll spend on others as much as what we expect from other people. When we enter the Christmas season, a lot of times... We don't want to admit it because we're grown adults, but we kind of have an expectation of mom and dad. We have an expectation of our spouse. We have an expectation, you know, of grown adult children or whatever. And, you know, we want to do something for them, but we kind of hope that, you know, we get done for as well. And so we have this expectation, and that expectation, I think, is what's killing Christmas in America. 
What are you expecting from your parents, your grandparents, your spouses, or whoever your loved one is? What are you expecting from them? What is it? You know, I went to a, a gathering last night for a young man that graduated college. Uh, some of you know um, Nathan Mitchell, but I don't want to mention his name today because it might embarrass him. But um, I was at his house last night, and his niece, his niece Annie, came running up to me and jumped up into my lap. And the first thing that I said to her is, are you excited about Christmas? And she said, yes. And I said, what are you going to get? And I realized I'm perpetuating that. What are you going to get? Give me, give me, give me. Hmm. As I was preparing for this sermon, I did a little bit of research. You know what the top uh, desired gift last year was? The most desired gift for Christmas last year for adults, for adults, Instapot. $149. $149. Get me an Instapot. I just want an Instapot. Everybody got an Instapot. I don't have an Instapot. Get me an Instapot. You know what the second uh, most sought after gift was? Faux fur. Yeah, women wanted faux fur, artificial fur. So I didn't want artificial fur. Well, enough people did to offset your desire, okay? <laughs> I'm just letting you know. And then it goes to an LOL ball. Anybody in here know what an LOL ball is? I had to look that one up, LOL. <laughs> I'm not paying $80.79.99 for anything that I don't know what's inside of it. That is the dumbest thing in the world. Are you kidding me? Here, you get a cheese it How do you feel about your 80 bucks now? You could have bought like a case, a pallet of Cheez-Its for, you know, 80 bucks. It's like, come on. Um, the next gift was the Nintendo Switch, only $399.99. I got five kids. Nobody gets a switch unless I cut it off the tree. Okay? <laughs> you smart off to me one more time, and you will get the switch. I promise you. It will not be a Nintendo. And then came Lego Boost. You know what a Lego Boost is? You know, Lego figured out that people really like Legos. A lot. And so they boosted the price. They, I'm convinced that's Lego boost, okay? There, there is something, I mean, the RICO Act should apply to Lego Corporation. It really should. They just jacked the, these little plastic things that are made in a third world country that cost like pennies on the dollar to make, and they sell them to you for dollars at a time. Well, the Lego boost was, was the, the $199.94, and everybody wanted one last year. And then it goes down to fingerlings. You know what fingerlings are? There's some kind of little puppet thing that's on your finger, little monkey things, like, hey, what are you doing? You know, I guess they're going to like trade that for like Facebook um, surfing or something. It's like, I'm going to talk to my fingerling instead of, you know, wasting my time on Facebook. I probably should. And then there's uh, Google Home. You know what Google Home is? Google Home is the offset for, you know, uh, Alexa. It's like, Alexa, kill, uh, I mean, Google Home, kill Alexa, please. You know, we're sick and tired of her. And get rid of Siri while you're at it. You're taking over, baby. We can run our whole house. That's what everybody wanted last year. And then it goes to Fitbit icon, smartphone, camera, printer, and then it goes to Hatch. You know what Hatchimals are? Hatch okay, we're back to that thing where I don't know what's inside. You want a lot of my money. No. It's not going to happen. I'm not getting my grandkids a Hatchimal. And then it goes to a three-tier marble tray was a hot item, and then Guide to Essential Oils, the book, okay? And then probably Guide to Essential Oils 2, the, you know, the, the next in the series, and who knows if the oil's going to die. And then uh, Nickelodeon Slime, Paw Patrol, Sea Patrol specifically, and Slippers. <laughs> slippers. Slippers. Everybody wants slippers. Listen, start with slippers, people. Apparently, you can't go wrong. 
This year, top thing for your children is fingerlings. They're from $7.99 to $15. Everybody wants one. They're available at Target. I clicked on Target. These are not available. Check back later. That's how hot they are. You had better get your fingerling. Some of you like bought them by the case. Put them back on eBay and you can pay for your Christmas this year. I'm not lying. You, people will give you double what you paid for those things. There's one set, you get like four in a row and they're like 80 bucks. It's like, no, not going to happen. No fingerlings. Okay, and then there's the Nintendo Switch. It's the second thing for your child this year. Still at $369.99, okay? They've dropped 30 bucks, so it's on sale. Let's do this, okay? <laughs> um, you can get the base unit with nothing from Amazon for $299.99, but then you've got to buy the games, the headphone, the controller, and everything. It's, it's ridiculous. And there it is. For your parents, you're looking for a gift to your parents because you want to show up at the house like the three magi and you want to unpack some gifts for your parents. Hottest gift for your parent right now is the Nest Learning Thermostat. Yeah. You get that baby, put it on there, it'll learn your parents' habits, you know, uh, menopause or not. Okay, sorry about that, sorry. Hot flashes or not. It will learn your parents and it will learn how to control the temperature. And you can put it on your own phone. You can control it. You don't like what your parents got you for Christmas? They didn't spend the whole thousand on you? Just jack the temperature in the house. You know, from across town. Just, just heat them up a little bit, you know. That'll teach them. No, the, the Nest thermostat is the thing. And then you know what the second hottest thing for your, your uh, grown adult parents is? The, the, no, Murray's Cheese of the Month Club. <laughs> you remember your parents that come in and always talking about their bodily function? Do you really want to buy them cheese right now at Christmas? Seriously? No, do not get the cheese. Get fruit tray instead, okay? You'll still hear about it, but that's the way it goes. For the woman that makes your heart go tick-tock, Guys, pay close attention. The Ugg robe for $29.95. Listen, do you know where I am on Uggs? Have I made that clear over the years? They're nasty. Do not buy them. I have told my wife, do not ever show up home with a pair of Uggs. Don't do it. They're, 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 some guy just is playing a trick on women. It's awful. And now we've got the Ugg robe. No, no, don't do that. Um, Brooklinen sheets. I thought, hey, my wife said something about some new sheets. You know, can't go wrong with some new sheets. Yeah, you can get the whole set for $482. Yeah, I guess they're like Egyptian cotton and you'll slide right into the Mediterranean Sea. I mean, just whoosh right off the bed. But they come with pillows. Like that's a thing. Then comes Anastasia lipstick for $21. The Vitruvi stone diffuser for $119. I think we're back to that oil thing, that essential oil thing. You know, in your house. There it is, okay? And then there's Diptyque Ombre Scented Candles, if I said all those words right. You can't go wrong with a $35 scented candle. You're just going to burn up $35. Just set it on the table and just burn it right up. Just set it on fire right there in front of you. But it'll be good for about a month. It won't last a month. I'm just telling you. But they're pretty, and they smell good, and that's where it is. I'm just letting you know, those are the hot gifts for today. You know, who are you going to spend your $1,000 on this year? Listen, we need to get a budget. I want you to enjoy Christmas. God wants you to enjoy Christmas. We see that we bring gifts, but we also need to be a people that understand it's not about getting, it's about giving. And we're going to talk about that, but I want to talk about your budget. When it comes to your budget, I want you to decide this. Decide you won't go in debt to make Christmas happen. Decide that. I just want to encourage you people, decide that today. Decide that you will not go into debt to make Christmas 
happen. Okay? When you go into debt in January and February, Christmas becomes this thing that you hate. When you say, I'm going to buy this for you, we'll pay it off over the next six months, you begin to hate it because it sucks the money out of your next six months. And there's things that you can't do, be a part of, places you can't go that you're going to hate. Don't try to kill yourself impressing other people with how much you love them by going into debt for presents. Don't do that. I'm not saying don't use credit cards. Just understand credit cards are tools. They're tools. You use it, you pay it off at the end of the month. You use it, you pay it off at the end of the month. There's nothing wrong with that. It is a tool. I just want to encourage you. Listen to me. If I'm talking to you and suddenly you're embarrassed about your credit card debt, I am not throwing rocks at you. I am planning on having FPU here for you, Financial Peace University, after the first of the year because we love you and we want to help you get out of that cycle because it'll kill you. Okay? Don't go into debt for people, number one. Decide not to go into debt. Number two, limit who all you can purchase for and consider alternatives. Who are you buying gifts for? Well, I got my uncles, cousins, and nephews, first niece once removed, and I think we got to get her something, or she's going to hate us forever. When's the last time you saw her? I ain't never met her. You know, they live way over to California, and it's like, well, then don't buy her anything, okay? Send her a Christmas card if you feel really guilty. Just send her a Christmas card, but make it and don't put glitter on it, please, okay? Don't do that. Limit who, consider the alternatives. What are the alternatives? Baking. You ever thought about that? Bake somebody a cinnamon ring. Put glaze on it. Take it to their house and say, Merry Christmas. I love you. I was thinking about you. I wanted to bake you something. You're still going to spend a little bit of money, but it's going to be a little bit of money, and you're going to spend a little bit of time thinking about them while you're baking for them. I had my wife do some baking for some people that I wanted to give something to. That kind of seems kind of anticlimactic, doesn't it? Hey, 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 Janice, won't you go ahead and bake some stuff for my friends over here? I want them to know how much I love them, okay? <laughs> if you got a cinnamon ring for me, I love you. She did the baking, okay? I'm just telling you. Some of you are like, I didn't get a cinnamon ring, and I know them before. No, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. What about baking? What about handcrafts? Some of you people are so gifted. You really are. And you're gifted at woodworking, you're gifted at, 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 at some art type stuff, you're, you're gifted at, 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 at design. Man, I can't tell you, I've heard like three or four women in this church say, you know what I would like to have? I would like to have a woman who's from our church come into my house and totally design my house for me so that I know what to do so that I don't have to think about it because I'm not a designer. Are you a designer? You know you could actually give your time that way to somebody and they would feel so incredibly special because you did that. What about um, certificates since we're on that? What about babysitting? Something as simple as we'll watch your children. You know what I'm saying? There are so many families in this church that when I say, hey, how you doing? You still dating your wife? They're like, well, you know, we can't get away from the kids because we don't have a babysitter. And they got to have somebody they can trust. Well, if you're already somebody they trust, make them a certificate that says you will come to their house and watch their children at their house so that they can go out for three or four hours and have dinner together. I mean, you will be watching their children, keeping them safe, saving their marriage, keeping that protected, building the kingdom of God 
God, and you will get a star in heaven if you have a gift certificate that says you'll watch their children. Now listen, if their, children's are, if their children are monsters, then put a time limit on it, okay? I'm going to watch your children for an hour and a half, so hurry up. I'm going to watch your children for 30 minutes. You go down to McDonald's, you get something to eat, you bring it back, your kid will be in bed. They won't know. You don't have to share your McDonald's with your child, but you've got to be back. 30 minutes max. That's all I... I mean, I don't care. Do, but listen, let me ask you. Uh, here, I, I, can you, is, Jack, you're back there, okay? I didn't do this in the first service. Can you turn the lights up in the house? Push number one. I caught him off guard. It's not your fault, Jack. It's on me, but turn the lights up in the house. I, I want all the lights to go up, the white ones, just the white ones, okay? Lord, I need all the lights. Show Jack the button. Here we go. Lights, 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 lights. I'm not the one making the sermon longer, Jack. You are. Lights, lights, lights. There we go. See, when I say sermon longer, he's like, oh, yeah, lights. Yeah, we need to get out of here. Okay, here you go. All of you parents that are in here, how many of you would like a babysitting gift certificate for Christmas from somebody? Okay, could everybody look around? I mean, I just saved you a ton of money. Church gets 10%, okay? There you go. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, you can push whatever button you got to push now to get it back, or you can leave it there. I don't care. Listen to me. There's the deal. Do you see what you can do for somebody else that doesn't cost a lot of money? You could actually go in and love them by giving some of your time to them, and time is an important thing. Um, number three, lower your expectations to free up people that love you. Lower your expectations of other people. Stop telling them what you want for Christmas. Man, I, when I was a kid, I was thrilled with that red nylon mesh stocking that had grapes and orange, I mean, oranges and apples and grapefruit and boxes of raisins and things like that in it. Man, I dance. I still, I, I got a message today from um, FedEx that says, hey, there's a package coming to your house, and apparently it's from a fruit stand, which means there's oranges and grapefruits in it, and I am loving it. I was like, yes, this is Christmas. It, it's, it gives me all the fuzzy stuff inside. Between that and a cinnamon roll, I'm fat dumb and happy and so it's like yes this is going to be good that's what i'm saying i'm lowering my expectations and i'm entering christmas by saying what can i do for somebody else i got to do something on the sly on the down low for somebody and i ran as fast as i could when i did an absolute stranger and it was absolutely amazing but we'll get to that i think we're teaching our children wrong every time we ask them what do you want for christmas I think we're teaching our children wrong every time we say, what, uh, what are you getting for Christmas? And I want to encourage us all, me, I'm guilty. I want to encourage us all to say, hey, what are you doing for grandma and grandpa for Christmas? And when they say, oh, I don't think I can do anything, that's your chance to be a part of their lives and do something for grandma and grandpa. Color something, make a little something, but show them it's about giving, not getting. And let's turn Christmas around a little bit. Last thing and we're out of here. What will you do for the stranger among you? Put all your politics aside right now. I really don't care about it. I, listen, when I say that, I have an opinion, but my opinion is only as good as anybody else and who gives a rip, okay? I'm just going to say that. So put your politics aside. What are you going to do for the stranger among you? What are you going to do? The scripture says in the book of Leviticus, if any of, you fellow, excuse me, if any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them, look at this, help them as you would a foreigner or a stranger so that they can continue to live among you. Now, I'm just saying, what are you doing to help the people in need around you? What are you doing that you don't want credit for? 
you know, I, I alluded to it, and I'm not trying to brag on myself, I'm just saying, it becomes Christmas for me when I get to do something for somebody that even my wife doesn't know about. And I just, I just do it, and I run as fast as I can. And, and I go away thinking, oh, they were so surprised. I don't go back to check. I just go away knowing that they walked away going, oh, and usually if I do it, I'll tell a waiter or a waitress or whatever, however I'm doing it, that Jesus just wants them to have a Merry Christmas or God loves them. And they walk away going, does he really? Does he really? If we can create the question, maybe the Holy Spirit can challenge them to seek for the answer. And we do it by blessing the stranger amongst us. What symbolic gesture can you make this Christmas? that will affect the life of somebody else that you don't know that's not going to give you a gift in return. And you walk away saying, Jesus, I did that for you. I gave you a present. They're, they're holding it, but I gave it to you. God didn't tell the Israelites to enable or empower the poor to stay poor. He said, give them a leg up, give them a help, helping hand, and move them forward. Because Christmas is about giving, not getting. But we've got it all turned around. And it's killing our budget. Let me end with this. Christmas is about giving, not getting. God gave His Son. Jesus gave His life. God gives His love, hope, peace, and a place in His family. God sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts, wisdom, reveals the mysteries of heaven. As we mature, we begin to understand it is about giving, not getting, but we still have that thing inside that says, yeah, but. And I'm not saying you shouldn't want something or you shouldn't hope or dream or whatever. I'm just saying keep your dream where it belongs because the question is, what gifts do you bring to Jesus this season? What are you going to bring to Jesus to make a difference in the lives of the people around you? You know, did I say this already? I saw that whole we are the world thing and I absolutely loved it. And I just left there and I heard the resounding part, if we give, if we give, if we give. If we get our focus back in a place where we can make a difference, if we give our intelligence, if we give our wisdom, if we give our technology, if we give our resource, our financial resource, we could actually change the world. But we don't want to. Not we. I'm talking about humanity as a whole. Because for some reason, we're scared to death that we won't have enough. Do you not think that the God of the universe can't have three guys, okay, that's with a wink and a chuckle, show up at your door with three chests that can keep you alive for the rest of your life. They did it, he did it for Jesus. Just showed right up at the door, put down a, a gift of frankincense, myrrh, and gold. I think when we give, we understand Christmas. I think when we give, we understand God. I think when we give, we prepare ourselves to receive. And I want to encourage you to do that. Listen, if Christmas is becoming a burden for you and it's threatening to kill you, we want to pray for you. If something else is going in your, on in your life threatening to kill you, we want to pray for you. Whatever it is that you're going through or facing, we want to pray for you. And I want to encourage you to get a plan. Because God had a plan and He sent three guys who planned for two years to show up at that, that baby's bed. So we can certainly plan for Christmas. 
We're going to jump to our feet. We're going to sing this last song. These people are up here to pray for you, and they would love to do that.